You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody out there across the globe in podcasting land. This is your fellow neighbourhood Dice Man, Leon. And I'm here all by my lonesome today because young Garth is off on the mainland visiting his family for the first time this year. And that is a very good thing. So the best of luck to him and to all his friends. So what am I going to do here all by myself? Well, I could sit here and talk to you all for about an hour, but nobody wants to hear that. Trust me, just ask my wife. So what I thought I would do is I thought I would have the most amount of people on this show that we've ever had before, because why not? In for a penny, in for a pound. And... Just to give a subtle hint as to what day it is today, let's just say today when we are recording this is a great day for America. So what I'm going to be doing is talking to my good friends that I've had for a while over in the States and hopefully making some new ones in the process. So first off, just let me introduce my somewhat kind of honorary Dice Men co-hosts for today. Somebody that you guys all know and love. It is our friends Stephen and BJ from Board Game Gumbo. How are you, lads? Hey, B- hey, what's up, everybody? BJ from Board Game Gumbo here. Hey, everybody. It's Steve. Good to be back with you, Leah. Excellent. It's awesome to be back on the show, man. Yeah, BJ, it's been ages since you've been on the show. It's been at least a solid two weeks and then two weeks before that. So you are taking over this show very, very quickly. <laughs> Apparently, I haven't left the island. I'm still stuck on the on the island here. I'm loving Hobart, though. This the uh, is it the Hobartians? I'm, I'm I'm really getting along with them. Yes, yes, Hobartians. That is what we call ourselves down oh, here on okay. at the at the at the bottom bottom of the world. That you got to be careful with him, Leon. You got to be careful with him. Once once he gets a foothold, he's he's an infestation. He's 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 not leaving anytime soon. Well, he wasn't even supposed to be in on this Zoom call. We just I went to put in the invite and his name was just there all of a sudden. And then he was there with the microphones and the headphones ready to go. And I, I can't fight back that kind of enthusiasm. So it is Ever great to be... the Cylon. Yes, <laughs> as always. So it is great to be joined by you two. So, but I want to make some new friends because I think that today of all day is a day just about that. So I'm going to be talking to some pe- people that I've just met face-to-face only a few seconds before I hit the record button. And they are all the way from Omaha, Nebraska, which for us in the Southern Hemisphere, which this is the longest running and most successful podcast in the Southern Hemisphere about board games, card games, and all things role-playing games. I forgot to mention that. I apologize. It is smack dab in the middle of the good old US of A, a lovely place that I had the privilege of visiting last year and hopefully I will get back to, especially after today, sometime soon. And they are my good new friends, Starla and Mick from Our Family Plays Games. How are you both? Doing good. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. You guys are having a very nice day today, aren't you? Awesome. It's awesome. a beautiful day awesome. in the neighborhood. It's a historic day. Yes. It certainly is. Yes. Yes. No. Happiness all round. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about what has brought us all together from opposite sides of the globe. And that is our love for gaming. So you two, as you said, our family plays games. I'm sure my my audience already knows all about you guys, but we're going to go through the steps to get there and how they first found out about you. But first, I want to know a little bit about you two, because I've only just met you. You seem lovely. (laughs) <laughs> but we'll go from the start. How did you two actually meet each other? 
And well, first, we want to introduce ourselves to your yes. audience. Yes. So for those of you who don't know us, I'm Starla. I'm Mick. And we are our family game. Booyah! Face. I mean, fist bump. <laughs> fist bump. Yes. Fist bump there for the audio <laughs> listeners. Good yeah. to see. Thank you. That's our introduction. Yeah, Every yeah. time you see a video, we usually start that way. That's us. So um, I don't know how. How do we meet? I don't know. <laughs> Can you not recall? <laughs> That's what we did. We met. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. it was seventeen years ago. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And so um, we've been playing board games for a long time because we played it, you know, in our childhood. Yeah. And you know, I played uh, Dungeons Dragons. Star Wars RPG in college, so you know we've been yeah. always been playing. Yeah, we've yeah. always played board games, yeah. but we got into the modern hobby about eight years ago. Eight nine, nine years, years ago. ago, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so, started- so Starla, did you play many games with your family growing up? Always, my my mother. Uh, when I was a child, you know, we didn't have yep. as many things as kids have today. You know, I a kid gets yep. a whole haul of stuff. Yep. I we always get a doll. I always got yep. a board game and always got a coloring book until I got to be a teenager. But my mother always bought board games every year. We got something new. And so I had all the board games, you know, I had Monopoly yep. and Sorry and all those. So we played all the time as a family. Yeah. I tell you what, if I'd got a board game, a doll and a coloring book every one of my birthdays <laughs> or Christmas, I would have been over the moon. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So you guys said you met about 17 years ago. Do you not have a son that's about 16 years old? Yes, we yes, do. We do. <laughs> yes, so in other words, the meeting went very well about that. It was very well. It was very well. It was very well. Excellent. And you see, because of board games, I can do that math in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So we, had our, we made our video, uh, video guy real good. He's real good. Yes. <laughs> That is excellent. Mm-hmm. So before we get on to your video supremacy that has popped up earlier this year, so you said about eight years ago, and how did it, how did it first happen? What went from you guys just being a family like the millions of others around the world that like that go, we could play a board game, but they're things like Monopoly, they're a bit nah, to, as you are now, the people with the lovely shelf behind you, enlightened yeah. to the fact that these are basically the coolest thing you can do with friends and family. Well, you know, we were playing, you know, the, the standards, you know, Monopoly and, and uh, you know, uh, Life and, and Parcheesi and stuff like that. And we were getting kind of worn down on that. You know, like, yep. and, I, and me and Starla were talking, like, what else can we play? Because we love playing, you know, games. You know, we got Scrabble and stuff. So what else is out there? So I kind of looked on, on, you know, on the okay, internet. Wait, the, what? Okay, the missing, what the missing what piece is... What we were playing those <laughs> games with our son, oh, who at the yep. time was about six or seven years yeah. old. And so I was telling him, we're playing the same games mm-hmm. that you and I played as children. Yeah. It's like, there's got to be something else gotta be. other than the same games we used to play. Gotta so that's be. when it got started. So that's the part. And then, and then I looked on the on the uh, internet machine and, mm-hmm. and found a beat, uh, board, game, uh, board Game Geek. Ah, where I, it all starts. Yes. All of a sudden, I said, "Ooh, I got two choices that I I kind of ran into: uh, oh, Catan yeah. and Forbidden Island. Catan mm-hmm. cool, Ooh, nice. Then once Starla go crazy on me, so I said, okay. "I'm gonna do Forbidden Island. I can I can mm. afford that one." So I went and got it, looked at it, and said, "Oh, what's this thing called co-op or whatever?" I didn't know about the terms back then. So I yep. said, "Starla, I got a new game." She said, "What is?" It? I said, "Forbidden Island. Let's go for it." She said, "What do you do?" I said, "Well, we're all on this island." And the island is kind of disappearing under us, and we all got to escape together and work together to get to, you know, safety. She said, "Work together." I said, "Yeah, work together." 
He said, I don't want to work with y'all. I said, what do you mean you don't work with us? He said, I do not want to work with y'all. I, I keep saying this, you, and you heard, what? Okay, no. you heard our show. That is the you truth. heard this a hundred times. That is not exactly that's how the, the story went. That's the truth. But in essence, that's the outcome. That's the truth. I didn't like the whole idea of trying to yeah. make decisions with him and my son. See that? And I make my own decisions. See, see, see. And so that's see, why we got go. rid of Forbidden Island. See? Yeah. And so <laughs> And yeah. she didn't want to work with us. She just wants to beat us down, you know, by herself. That's what she wants no, to do. I like if, if that game to... had where the first person off is the winner, she would have did that. She would have did that. She would've, she would've that did is fun. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the biggest things I've noticed when I get, because I, I get the same things that you guys have. When I say the word board games, people say to me, oh, you mean like Monopoly? And I have to go yeah, into yeah. my whole spiel of no, 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 no. Yeah. But the thing is with co-op games is when you first say that to people, their minds are blown. They'd be like, hang on, you mean we can work together against this game we don't just have to be fighting each yeah. other but as Sala said there has something to be said that if you have you know a happy family unit that work together every day you do from time to time want to have your own thing and you want to be able to get that expression out of no I do want to beat the people around me from time to time in a board gaming sense and show my supremacy so I can understand the viewpoint of both of you in that sense but she shows her supremacy a little bit too much, no, though. See, too, yeah. much. <laughs> too much. It's not about showing supremacy. It's just that we tried some co-op games later on yeah, after yeah. after Vinita. We mm-hmm. did the escape room stuff. I didn't like I, having other people. We got to come to a, a general consensus on what we're going to do. And sometimes they were wrong, and you didn't want to go against the crowd. So it's like, you know what? You guys do that. I'm going to play all her. She I'm going to do it ourselves. So yeah. that's the <laughs> you escape your way. <laughs> Now, a question that I've just come up with, is there any co-op game style? Like, if, you, if I said to you right now, if you had to play a co-op game that you've played in the last 10 years, is there one specifically that you go, that's the one that I do like, or that's the one that I could stand? Or are they just completely um, out? Well, we were talking with someone else on another show, and they mm. pointed out to me that Spades is kind yep. of a co-op card it game. Is. It is. Because you have yeah, a partner. Yeah, I like spades because I have a partner, yes, but I have to play my hand and I have to make sure my hand works with my partner. So if I had to do co-op, it's going to be spades. Mm. Well, no, you like Hanabi though a little bit. Oh, I do like Hanabi. Yeah. Hanabi is kind of co-op. It's kind of co-op. Yeah, kinda, I like yeah. Hanabi. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Both card games. Okay. Both card games. <laughs> that, yeah. that is a solid choice. So once you got the, the Forbidden Island and we went to that, that kind of worked, kind of didn't. I'm guessing you got Catan from there That's and then the whole it. thing just exploded. Was, and that was it. You know, Mind blown. When I could come home and say, Starla, here's Catan and we can have our own little settlements and we can try to, you know, compete with each other to see which settlement, you know, gets better. She said, oh, compete? I said, yes. <laughs> she was all good right there. She was all good. Oh, my goodness. She was all good. <laughs> Excellent. So it was, it, was, it was love at first sight. Between yeah. obviously between you two, as we discussed with your son's age, yeah. but yeah. also with the gaming that once Katan got to the table, it was done. We're in this it's now. Done. It's yeah. done. Okay. And then we one check on BGG, one look on YouTube to finding Mr. Tom Vassell, who we we'll talk about in a minute, and then the whole thing just opens up. I'm guessing. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. It. it just opened up like crazy, you know. Yeah, well, there is a lot out there and it's only been getting better and better and better because of, you know, people like ourselves getting into the hobby and flagging it the best that we can. So that is great to see. So that was about eight years ago. You got good games to the table and then ever since then you've been playing board games and, you know, fighting the good fight of telling people how good they are. Mm -hmm. And then earlier this year, 
I think it was January 15th, if I remember, you put up your first video on YouTube. What made, what made you finally go, right, we need no, to stop. get this out there more than just yelling to the people across the street. We need to get this out to everybody else in the world. Because it's a very big step. I know from when we first started this show seven years ago, we're mm. kind of in a similar vein to you that in Australia, because you know we have very nice weather down here. We're a very big sporting nation. Not a lot of indoor activity goes on, but there are some of us that definitely want to stay indoors and play board games. So we thought we need to champion this. And you guys thought you needed to do the same thing. So what, yeah, how did that first come about? The idea that we've got to get this on YouTube. We've got to start our own thing. Well, we had already started our family plays games on social media. Mm -hmm. So yes. two years earlier, we had social media pages and we were putting out images and we were kind of chronicling our different uh, events that we would yeah. attend yeah. and stuff like that. So people could see where we were going. But I told Mick that if we really want to reach more people, we're going to have to do something a little more drastic. And I said, let's do YouTube, you know? And Mick was like, oh, I don't really want to do YouTube. And now, we want to spill too now. Well, we want to spill, yeah, that spill. was a podcast. Yeah, that was a podcast. Oh yes, the spill, yes. But you know, talking in front of you know, a mic, that's different. Yeah, but yeah. he didn't want to get on video at first. At first. And I, cause I asked him to do it a year earlier. He said, yeah. oh, no, no, no. But I told him this year, we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. 2020, we're going to do it. And Mick didn't want to do it. And you see our first couple of videos, we were a little green there. A little green. And I think I've told this before, people don't know that my background is in media. So yep. my actually my college degree is communications in the media. So I'd already Excellent. done television. I'd already done radio. So I, I already know what it's like. So getting the family involved, that was the hard part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, what we did and is as you guys said, I think it was on your first video, you said that um, one of the main reasons you're doing it is because um, sadly, a lot of um, African-American people and families weren't yeah. in the hobby as much as what, you know, we would hope they would be. And you wanted to definitely champion that as an idea, which is an awesome thing. Like I said, it's, we're definitely different, but the fact that, like I said, Australians are not really a board game people as well. So we kind of wanted to do the same thing. Yeah. So was that always in the back of your mind that, right, that's what the well, audience we should reason. aim for? Yeah, that, was, yeah. that was the yeah. total reason. So that's the reason yeah. that's we the reason. started yeah. the, the Facebook page and everything so that people of color, yep. other people like us doing this and having a good time, mm -hmm. to see us at the different gaming cons, to see us at events, to see us play. So if you go through our old social media, you'll see pictures of us at different places. But then we thought, you know, the YouTube would be the best way for people to see us on a regular basis. And that's what we've seen in comments. You know, people say, I'm so glad to see people that look like me, you know, yes. playing board games. You know, it's just so yeah. great to see people that look like me, yeah. you know, having fun doing it and yeah. introducing me to different games that I never knew what was around. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a joy to see that. And that's, that's our mission, you know, to bring diversity and inclusion into the hobby. Yeah, to make this a no, that. You know? And that is a, a beautiful thing because the thing about board games is that it is a, a hobby that every hobby has their kind of negativities to it. But board games are one of the most inclusive things that there are. Yeah. You can go to a convention, walk past the table and go, can I join you? Yes, you certainly can, which is one of the best things. And also it's about yeah. the experiences that you have with the family and you know for money spent you know you can spend however much to go see a movie with your family that's great you'll probably forget it the next day but a board game a good one that experience will stay in the back of your head for for years to come and and to get that to every family out there especially in the places like um america that obviously the business there is a bit bigger than it is down here because you guys have you know your winters where you're inside quite a bit and stuff like that what better place than a good board game yeah yeah, yeah. 
No, it, it is, is excellent to see. Now, I'm going to ask my illustrious co-hosts down here. I asked them to prepare a question for these people that they've only just met as well. I absolutely... <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> we can't know them for not a while. We've known them yeah, for a yes. while. Yes, but behind the curtain... And, he, did... and he's still, yeah. still talking with us, which yeah. is a good yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start with you, Stephen. Did you, did you have a question for our lovely Our Family Plays Games here? Yeah, you know, talking with Mick and Starla, we talk around online an awful lot, and we mm-hmm. play some games online once in a while together too. And I know Starla has her tastes, and Mick has his tastes. Um, but is there one game that you could say that if you could, you know, swirl that magic wand and make it so that Starla would love this game, or make it so Mick would love this game, what would it be? What was the one that you would want to convert the your spouse for? That's an easy question. question, For me, that would be terraforming Mars. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Terraforming Mars. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're welcome, Starla. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So, Starla, but how about you? But how about you? Well, see, that's a hard question for me because he likes everything. Yes. See, he can't play the games. Yes. I mean, 95% of these games were his choice. Yes. So it's really hard because right. he pretty much plays all of them. Yes. There's no game. So I play them all. I don't there's mind. There's not a game that I all. like that he doesn't already like. I play them all. But see, for him, there's okay. parts I don't like. Yeah. Well, I guess it is my duty as a dice man and for the other dice men as well who have their love of terraforming Mars. Starla, how many times have you played terraforming Mars? Is it just the once? One time was more than enough for me. Thank you. <laughs> See, right. See I, I am completely with you because the first time I played it, I didn't like it. And actually, there's a kind of a famous story on our show that when terraforming mars was the new hotness as in it had just come to australian shores we sat down at a convention and had like the first copy that had arrived in our country and someone explained the rules and before they even finished talking i said nope not for me i'll catch us later and might have had to do with the fact that there was we were at pax and there were ten thousand people around us and i was hung over as hell but that's beside the point i will claim that (laughs) so it's not for everybody however I will say that I then was forced to play it a second time and I liked it much more after that. I still don't think it's the the masterpiece that everyone says it is, but it's a masterpiece. If you <laughs> if you have to Starla, <laughs> if you'd have to try it once more, you, you may like it a bit more. Maybe. Maybe. And you know what? I, I won't doubt that because I have had a couple of games that I've given them a second try and I yeah. like them better mm-hmm. the second go around. But I think yes. this whole terraforming Mars thing, it's like a sticking point in the household that yes. he wants me to play it so badly again. I just don't want to. And see, <laughs> I, you know, you tell it's going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty, pretty soon. It's going to be very pretty, pretty yes. soon. Yeah. Yes, when all those bits turn up. Yes, no, that's yes. good to but, see. You know, another, uh, some people that really are really cool to us, they sent a huge play mat that features... <sighs> Every one of the, um, you know, yes, the uh, expansions and everything. I mean, it's a beautiful, huge yeah. play mat. And I say, Starla, look what we got. I tear from my play mat. She was like, hmm. Well, they did that in spite of me. The, I'm like, no, they did. The <laughs> one thing is, the play mat looks better than the game. It's colorful, yeah, it does. pretty, it does. and it, it looks does. better than the game. It so does. there you go. Yep, beautiful no, that, that, that is absolutely fair. Uh, well, you... Since you're the expert then, Mick, do you like all the expansions that have come with Terraforming Mars? Because if I remember rightly, there's one of them 
I want to say Venus that just adds more completely unnecessarily to the game. All the other expansions are good, but I think that one was a bit not good. Am I right or am I wrong? <laughs> well, the, the only ones that I really, the, the essentials that you need is you got to get the map, the, you know, the two, the map, the two yep. map sides. You got to get Absolutely. That's the essential. And, and prelude, of and course. And then prelude, you got to get prelude. Yes. And then colonies, yeah. and then you can stop right there. Yes. No. Get, get Excellent. You, know. you are absolutely correct. You are a man after my own heart when it comes to that. Uh, BJ, did hey. you have a question for our illustrious guests? I do. Before we get to that question, Leon, you like the drafting part too, if I remember right from the episode when you talked about that second play. And I was wondering if if Mick thinks yes. that Starla might like it better if they did the drafting with the game. Because I know I like it with the drafting also, Leon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. With the, well, that's another thing, actually. It's a good point. First time I played it, didn't have Prelude in it. Prelude is up there with... Um, uh, power up for King of Tokyo in that yes. it you have to have it. Do not play yeah. that game without it. You need Agreed. drafting Correct. and you need Correct. the prelude. So Correct. yeah, so you are kind of right, Starla. Before those expansions come out, that game was absolute garbage. So you're <laughs> correct. No. You're correct, but Mick is also oh. correct now that it's also quite good. Okay. <laughs> we got everything. Well, I got everything for care for Mars, so I'm gonna have to give that. I have everything. Yeah. Excellent. BJ, what have you got? Yeah, so Leon, off screen, a lot of times when we talk to Mick and Starla, especially Mick, we're talking food, uh, you know, and I, I was curious, what is that thing that they like to eat? What's that perfect meal if they're going to have a family board game night? What is that perfect meal? And I'm not digging for any particular answer, Mick. You just, you just give me whatever you think. Mick and Starla, perfect meal if you're having a family game night. We, we don't eat around the board game. No, we don't so eat around the board game. We have to eat before you <laughs> or after. It'd be before or after. Before or after. He, he said before or after. So I would think, what? I would think it, it'd be barbecue. Nice. It'd be barbecue. You know, it'd be barbecue. Yeah. Uh, now you're speaking to the Australians. That's good to hear. It's one thing we definitely all have in common. The barbecue is very much an Australian icon as well as now, it is now, a North American icon. We're not icon. talking about all that the barbecue over there. We're talking about Texas barbecue. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you guys do it better, but I have to defend my own country a little bit. I know you I guys do it much better. I've there. been there. I know. <laughs> I don't know what y'all do over there, but Texas, we do it yeah. right. We do it right. Texas, we do it right. So, Starla, you, you agree what, it would be barbecue? Well, I mean, I'm a big barbecue fan, so I guess I could do the barbecue as well. No, you want fish. I do. Well, I love my fish, but I can't get it here. Yeah, Papa Dough. Yeah. She Papa Dough. I miss that. I'm in Omaha now, and I can't get my favorite fish <laughs> place, which is Papa Dough. Papa they don't Dough. have a Papa Dough's in Omaha? Mm. No, no. It hasn't reached here yet. I had the same problem when we lived in Seattle. Mm-hmm. There was no Papa, no Papa Dough. Dough. Had to yeah. change my fish here. Yeah. We haven't even changed our fish here. No, we haven't. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys didn't. We did find Texas barbecue. We did find Texas, Texas, yes. Texas barbecue. I was going to say, it's probably a bit hard for the fish considering you guys did move to quite literally the middle. <laughs> of yes, the middle yes. of the place. Yeah, the middle. We moved away the middle. From- <laughs> but you guys, you, are, you two aren't originally from Nebraska? No. no, we're Texans. We're Texans. We're native. You're Texans. both Texans from Houston, yes. Texas. From Houston. from Houston, Texas. Yeah. Ah, what facilitated the move to quite literally? Well, it's almost another country, basically. <laughs> well, this, this is, our, job, this is our second move. We moved yeah. to Washington for a while for a mm-hmm. job. I had a yep. job. We yeah. moved, and then we moved here. Mick had a job. Yes. So yes. we moved for work. Yeah. Excellent. 
No, that is very good to hear. Um, sadly, one of those things that in Australia, we very much stay where we are. We will travel all around the world, then we'll always come back to exactly where we came from. <laughs> but it's a but it's a nice place, so I can't really say much yeah. to yes. it. So that's yeah, you know, Omaha is a nice place. It is. You know, just as yep. long as you don't go outside of Omaha, you all good. Stay you're in the good. city. Stay in the city. Don't leave you're the city. Y'all good. good. Leon, it's Excellent. the cleanest city, man. You could eat off the streets of Omaha. I mean, yeah, Omaha is, is oh my god, it's yeah. such a clean city, man. Wow. I'll take your word for it, but you've got to remember that I've been to to Tokyo, so I, mm. I've seen the yeah. clean city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it also has Iowa corn-fed beef, and of course Nebraska corn-fed beef. So if you like steaks, yeah, oh, holy cow! Yeah, steaks are the jam yeah. here. Steaks, steaks are the jam. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Well, the next time I make it to the states, I am sure I will find my way somehow to Omaha, Nebraska. As long as there is a bit of free accommodation, wink, wink, in somebody's <laughs> back room, wink, we can do that. I'll we definitely. Can do that. Well, I've said I've said to the other boys before that if if you ever if you guys ever feel like coming to the other side of the world, you know, a cheeky twenty hour flight, there's always rooms in my house for everybody. So feel free. All right, thank you, thank you. Not a worry. So before we wrap up this and we do a few little plugs for all the lovely things that you guys have done, especially of late, you guys have blown up at least the last six months or so. You've got some stuff on the Dice Tower now, as well as, you know, your YouTube's grown in leaps and bounds, which is awesome to hear. Um, I just want to know from an our pet family plays games, and this is like including your son as well. What is, what is the game of the house? Do you guys have a number one or does it always kind of fluctuate? I think the number one, I think it's Clank. Clank? Can yeah. and clank. Mm-hmm. What, what is it? No, oh, I've started the fight already. Tries. Yes, yes. Well, that is my yes, favorite. I would love yes. to play it at any time. Now, of course, yes. I love Catan and I love Clank, but my favorite is Five Tribes. Yes, yes. Because yes. you kill us at Five Tribes. I love that game. I, I oh. try so hard to just win it. And it. some reason she always wins. I cannot understand I that. So, Starla, so you're the forward <laughs> thinker then, I'm guessing? <laughs> I guess so. I, I love Five Tribes. Yes, she I, loves I really Five Tribes. Do. And she's good at yeah. it, too. It's she's like good chess at. to me. It's like a chess match. Yeah. When we yeah. do head to head. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Well, then one or two others before I, um, I wanted to ask you, like you said, you are very much out there. You want to get people from, um, from your kind of background, from African-American backgrounds to get, play more games. Is there one or two games that you would specifically we're, recommend? We're, we're talking about diversity. We're talking about, we're, we're talking about diversity, yeah, you know. Everybody. Oh yeah. No, that, that's yeah. what I mean to say. Yeah. Is there a specific game you think might be people more- of color? <laughs> people of color. We like the whole spectrum. Yes. The whole yes. spectrum. Is there specific games you think might appeal first off, like from just like you said, you you like to see representation of yourself in board games? Is there one specifically that you've seen that you go, that could definitely get people like that kind of in there as well? Well, we've always been successful with introducing people to Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. People always yep. understand that because they've, they've had it somewhere. Yeah. So when we yes, tell them exactly. it's Ticket to Ride, you've got trains, you've got destinations, they can comprehend that. And so they're willing to sit down and play it. Yeah. And then another game that really uh, goes over well is Splendor. Splendor. Now, for yeah. people of color, especially eh. African-Americans, we like card games such as Spades and, you know, yep. poker and stuff. And we like Domino's. Splendor has those elements mm-hmm. that people identify with. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. The, you you cannot beat sitting there playing. 
Yeah, you can't beat Splendor sitting there and just running those chips up and down through. It's the same with playing poker, yeah, as you yeah, said, yeah. just running those chips up and down through your hand. The tactility of it. And um, you may not be able to answer this because you may have obligations to your own channel. Um, but what is, so far in 2020, you think your your game of this year so far? I don't want to, again, I don't want to, if you don't want to answer, you don't want to spoil any lists or anything you guys have, but I'm just no, curious. No, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna we gonna hold on now. But let me tell you, it's been some really cool games out there that we've played. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's it's been some really cool games. I mean, it's it's fun. It's, it's well, fun because time. of the 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 way that this year has kind of turned out, you know, for good or for bad. Sadly, a lot of us have been staying yeah. at home a lot more, and a lot of games have been pushed back, and a lot of you know publication yeah. issues. I was actually looking because when we do our top 10, which will only be a couple of weeks after this episode comes up, what we're going to yeah. do is we're going to do top 10 games that we played this year, not necessarily came out this year to, to take for the fact that a lot of games have been pushed back. And when I look at it that way, this may be my favorite year ever for board games because I finally got to the table some of those games from the last year or two. We haven't had time to, but this year stuck inside a little bit more. So from a board gaming landscape, it is quite literally the time to get the family around the table and have fun. And you guys, the positivity you guys have from your channel and just from speaking to you now, it's um, you're an absolute credit to, um, to, to the society. So it's, it's awesome to have you guys here and it's, and it's excellent to see that you'll be much, much more successful than us in, well, you already are, but... <laughs> Now, now, now there's one just, thing I like to say. Now, yeah. everybody says, you know, what's your top 10 games of 2020 and all this stuff. Now, we're still yeah. playing games and enjoying them from 2018. You know, that's yes. how we always been. You know, we play games from all over the place. You know, just because there's new games in 2020, we tell people, don't stop. You know, play games whenever it yeah. comes out. Whenever you, mm-hmm. whenever you get them, you have fun with them. So we still try to play games from 2017. You know, we're trying to, <laughs> trying to play those. Back. Yeah, from way back. So... <laughs> You know, just have yeah. fun and just have fun playing games. You know, don't worry yes, about no, it's, it's not it's, Like we always say, you know, we try to run away from the hotness, but the hotness keep running after us. You know, we try yeah. to stay away from it. <laughs> no, it's, it's not always about the cult of the new. I think about two years ago, my game of the year by far was um, El Grande, which I'd yeah. never played. And then when I got to that at the table, I was like, this is brilliant. I get to yell at my friends and it's so mechanically seamless. <laughs> I could not go wrong with that. So no, that is great. Now, um, Stephen and BJ, did you have any final comments for our lovely guests? Well, just one thing that I could say is if your listeners have not watched Our Family Plays games, they should do themselves a favor and check it out. You'll start out being informed and entertained, but by the time you're done watching their family playing games, you're going to be a member of their family playing games. And that's where I think it flips the switch. Mick and Starla Colin and everybody family is, is the in. Everybody yeah following up following up on that it's all about community and that's uh, and that's what they're doing they're out there they're out there working it to build a community i think that's the best thing about board gaming is that we can build that community and they show us every day how they can do it that mm-hmm. is excellent glad to hear so yeah so that our family plays games on all the kind of social medias they've also got some lovely merchandise their shirts are very <laughs> very cool i must admit i reckon i'll probably be getting one sent all the way to the other side of the world sometime soon right excellent all right, well, with, anyway. Catan, with Catan hexes and Beth Sobel art, if you want it. And little yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. And little Jimmy. Yeah. And little Jimmy. BJ, you leave Jimmy alone now. It's still soft. <laughs> it's still soft. It's still little soft. Jimmy. 
Good, All right, good. excellent. So, so Sala and Mick, thank you very much for this on this day of days spending half an hour or so of your time with me. I very much appreciate it, and thank you very much for being on the show. Well, it was great being on here. Thank you for inviting us. It's been fun. It's been fun. Not Good to night. worry. Excellent. Right. Well, I'm just going to quickly chuck to a break. Uh, and just remember, everybody out there, that we are sponsored by our good friends at Looking for Gamers in Australia. That's lfg-aus.com. Go there, give them all your money, get all the games, and also spread that community over there in Canberra, the capital of Australia. So we'll be right back with my good friends, uh, BJ and Stephen, where we're going to be talking about a game that, sadly, yes, is brand new and a bit of the hotness, but is it any good? You will find out when we'll be back right after this. Hello, I'm Colby Dowick. Studio manager at Plaid Hat Games, and you're listening to the Dice Men Cometh. And we are back after I put something in the edit a few weeks from now when I can be bothered. That was the lovely Mick and Sala from Our Family Plays Games, two new good friends of the Dice Men, and hopefully the relationship will go on for years to come because they are doing great things. And it is awesome to see. I'm still here with my good friends from all the way over on the other side of the world with Stephen and BJ. And we are going to be talking about a game that I got to actually play on a physical table with Mr. Garth, fellow Diceman, recently. Really? Um, and mo- yes, we actually got a chance to, I got to go around his house and we got to play it. It was quite nice. Um, but yes, he is not here today to, to share my thoughts, but I'm pretty sure I know roughly what his thoughts are. So the game we're going to be talking about is by a little company called Stonemeyer Games. Have, have you guys heard of Stonemeyer Games before? <laughs> is that with an S? Yeah. Stonemeyer with an S. What, what, what was it? What was it again? What was the name? I'd be lying if I said I could spell it without actually looking at it written on a piece of paper because it's always different every time I look at it, I swear. Now, these guys, they've had a little bit of success in the last seven or eight years, just a tiny bit. With these games, you've probably not heard of them, but I'll meet them in. There's a game called Viticulture. When these people that like these Euro games, Mm -hmm, they say it's one of the best ever, but that's beside the point. There's a game called Scythe, which again, people that like Mm -hmm. Euro games and American-style games, they say that's one of the best. And there's this other game called Wingspan that's come out like two years ago that no Mm -hmm. one's ever heard of. It's to do with birds and, yeah. And it didn't win like every award under the sun and, again, considered one of the greatest board games in our hobby ever. So that is the the pedigree coming from this studio, just the name a few. So keep in mind, there's a lot of high quality out there. So the game we're going to... pressure. Yes, not at all. The game we're going to be talking about is their new game, a game called Pendulum. It's a game for one to five players, and it's quite cool because it has two different sides of the board. We love our double-sided board technology here on the Dice Men. So one side has two to three players. The other side has four to five. I'm assuming there's a solo variant out there. I don't know. You can find that out yourself. We're all about the people and getting them to the table. So it plays in about 60 to 90 minutes, which... Because, spoilers, there's some timers in this, is pretty much bang on. You will play nearly what the game tells you to regardless. So it plays pretty well. So, in Pendulum, each player is a powerful, unique noble vying to succeed the timeless king as the true ruler of Dunya. Probably pronounced that wrong. It don't matter. (laughs) Players command their workers, execute stratagems, and expand their providence in their domain in real time, which we're going to be talking lots of. We'll get to that in a minute. To gain resources and move up all the different victory tracks of power, prestige, popularity, and also legendary achievements. Now, Stephen hasn't had a chance to play this game, but he knows a bit about it. Whereas BJ has played Mm -hmm. this game. Now, BJ, what I just explained then is what we would say in the board game world, kind of a theme to this game. Now, when you were playing this game, 
did you get even a tiny bit of theme whatsoever? Because we certainly didn't. And that was our discussion of theme. So what was that next part that we we're going to talk about? <laughs> yes. So <laughs> I didn't get much... I didn't get anything in theme at all, Leon, out of this. No, game. it's got decent art to it. Like I played as a cool big Minotaur guy, which is you know. I have no issue with whatsoever, but when it actually comes to the theme for this game, it is non-existent. And the thing we've got to say before we talk about this game a bit more, not normally on this show do we do a lot of negativity. We're very positive people, but there are some things about this game that aren't our favorites, let's just say. But you've also got to take it with a bit of grain of salt when it's saying, this is coming from Stonemeyer. And as I said before, the quality these guys have in their games, the pedigree they've got behind them, it's no different than when like a director that people have, oh, they're some of my favorite films ever. When a new one comes out, you've got your, your hopes yep. held high. So these guys do get held mm-hmm. a bit more highly accountable to some other things. So the fact that it has so little theme when you've got your viticultures and your wingspan out there is a bit kind of, it's a bit of a red flag early. That's what I was going to say. The, the, think mm. of the pedigree. When you talk about wingspan, viticulture, euphoria, and scythe, the thing that jumped out at you about those games, it's how thematic they were. When I play viticulture, I don't feel like I'm playing a worker placement game. I'm competing with my friends to make the best winery. I mean, I re- the, you know, the best vineyard. That's how I really feel. Yeah. But no, in Pendulum, it was a, a swing and a miss for me. <laughs> So, yeah, so the components and the actual board itself, it looks fine, but it doesn't look, like, mind-blowing, which, again, is, you know, not every game has to be so overproduced and be, oh, this is the greatest-looking game ever. But it does kind of look just fine at the bare minimum. But we need to talk about the main kind of hook of this game. And as I said before, that this is a Euro-style game. You're going to be going up different victory point tracks. You're going to be collecting resources, doing different actions, your worker placement, meeples and whatnot. But it's in real time. There's no actions. Everyone's going to be taking turns at the same time. And the way that's going to be working is there's different sections on the board that have these sand timers. Now, they're very nice little colorful sand timers. I'll give them that. And they're quite heavy duty. They are on three different sections of the board. There's a purple one, a green one, and a black one. And they all have different increments of time in those sand timers, which I do think is kind of cool. And when you flip them over you'll flip them to a kind of a different section onto the board. And when there is a sand timer on a certain section of the board, that means that you can do actions where that sound timer is. If you've got meeples there, you can do actions there. However, on the other bit of that board where you the same sand timer will flip over to, if there is no sand timer there, it means you can move meeples onto there or off of that position. So you kind of have to think ahead to place them there for when that sand timer is going to flip. And as I said, the you know the black timer is 45 seconds. The purple right. timer is three minutes long, which, trust me, is a very long time. It feels longer than three minutes, Leon. It does. It feels really, really long. And that black one does seem to flip over back and forth quite a bit. And the black one has the more basic actions and stuff that you need to do to build up your resources and to... Yeah, and to things of that nature to build up your money whereas the other two the greens a bit in the middle and then the purple one yeah the bigger actions that you want to try and do so it's 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 a euro game which is all about the you know the thought process and the i've got my turn and not heaps of player interaction traditionally with euros although the good ones definitely hide that and you can't really tell whereas this one said you're all kind of doing stuff at the same time and sometimes you are just sitting there waiting for timers to go over so yeah what did you think of the the whole idea of the 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 sand timer real time thing bj i did like it now i played it both at um with a couple people and then solo yep 
the solo part, I was a little bit distracted because I was act, you know, I've been out here for weeks doing the show with you yes, guys. And yes, of course. I was a little hungry and I walked over to the Hill Street <laughs> grocer over on West Hobart. And I just picked up I picked up some stuff out of the cheese fridge and a, and a deli. And then I walked over to the St. David's Park, you know, or, or as I like to call it, St. David's Park. Yes, and then course. I set up the game and I was a little distracted by all the beauty of West Hobart. But but as a solo experience, as, as a multiplayer experience, I thought that the production was really good with the timers and the time elements. The board to me, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, the, I, it didn't look like a Stonemaier board to me at all. But no. the, the actual uniqueness mm -hmm. of the timers. I'm going to tell you, Leon, when I finished both the solo game and I played that uh, two player game, I remember thinking to myself, I've never played another game like this. I can't think of another game out there that I've played like this. I thought it would be like Escape or Steam Park or any of those games that have real time, yep. but it's not. The The tension is just real, Leon. Yes, that's just one thing I was going to say. You say mm. tension because tension sounds like it could possibly be a positive. I would say more anxiety, which is not what I necessarily want Good word. In, in a Euro game. But there is a way that you can make it where you're not constantly waiting for these timers. There is a, they do have this little board that comes with it that just tells you you flip this timer, then you flip that timer, then you flip this timer. So you can play it without the timers. You don't worry about the sand counting down. It's just you flip a timer, everyone does all the actions they want. When everyone says you're have done, you tried it? yep. Uh, we didn't try it because we found that when in the real time way, because of we were waiting for the different timers, we ended up being very similar to the order on that card anyway just virtue of the different kind of times that we're running down. And I did yeah. try it by the way, with that card. Yep. And did it make that much of a difference? Really? The, the, the guy Bradley that I was playing with, he actually preferred it that way. Yeah, okay. He's very, very analytical. And if you give him time to think between, you know, he, he, he actually, he actually maxed out the points of the game. He scored whatever, whatever it is, 300 points. He, wow. he literally maxed out every single part of it. You cannot give him that much time to think. But we nice. played half of it on the real time and half of it doing the the space by space. And he and on the half, that's where I would start to catch up because he's he's not able to just sit there and use that that big brain of his to calculate everything. Instead, yep. he's having to really maximize the potentials with this one and focus on this part of the board and focus on this part instead of being able to plan out three or four moves ahead. So me personally, I prefer the real time than the, than the you know sliding it down. Yeah, two things here. I, we just finished talking with Mick and Starla, and Mick and Starla would say, if you're not having fun, what are you doing? How does that apply to this game? Because I'm hearing you both try to sell me on it, and I'm hearing some lukewarmness. <laughs> was it, uh, to, to throw Mark into the mix here too, was it what Mark would call interesting, but not Keeping you interested. Interesting is a, a very good word to put for it. And we must mention that um, that our family plays games have actually done a review of um, Pendulum itself. And it's the reason why they're not here at the moment. A, they've got some celebrating to do, which is awesome. But B, they've pretty much given their thoughts out as well. And I think they're rather kind of similar to, to us and BJ. And most mm -hmm. of the people out there is that the, it's a Euro game, right? But it's in real time. It hasn't got much theme to it. So it's a game that, like, if you're a Euro gamer, it's moving a bit too quickly. It might not be for you. But if you're more of a American style of gamer, you've still got the resource and your victory point track, as well as a not a, no theme or story to keep you invested. So I first have to mention that this was the highest rated prototype in Stonemaier Game Design Day. It's a thing they do from time to time. This is the highest rated prototype they've ever had. So people were definitely intrigued by the idea. But my 
after playing this game, and I must say, I'm saying a lot of negative here. I didn't hate it by any stretch of the imagination. If somebody said, do you want to play it again? I'd say, yeah, probably, maybe, sure. But I wouldn't be over the moon about it. However, I do not know who this game is for. I could not. We were sitting Mm. there after we'd finished playing this, trying to think, who is it for? Is it for a American style game that wants to try Euro stuff and have that bit more, you know, a bit more tension to it because of the the timers? Or is it, uh, you know, a Euro person that wants a bit more excitement in their game? You know, excitement, anxiety, potato, potato, however you want to call it. But we couldn't really narrow it down, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. So I think that's kind of where the lukewarmness of the, of the general societies have come out there. Because, yeah, I don't really know. I think I can answer that, Leon. Yep. Uh, what... The game is for those people who hate waiting on your turns. Steve, if you're okay with taking your turn and then you got to wait forever to, for you, for the thing to come back around and maybe there's, oh man, we played a tapestry the other day and the person to my left would yep. never look at the board until it was his turn. Uh, and then he would go, okay, let me figure out what I'm going to do. If you don't like playing games with people like that, well, guess what? Mm-hmm. This is like walking into the pigeonhole baker's over there in Hobart and seeing all the different pastries and saying, oh, that's the kind of pastry I like, Steve. If you like the kind of pastry where you never have to wait for your turn, you're going to like this kind of game. Yes, for, for those out there... We're going to have to change the name of the show to Board Game Pandering. Yes, for those out not there... Not Board Game bon- Gumbo anymore. BJ has clearly gone on the Google about some... T- I, I don't even know what the Pigeonhole Bakery is myself. I know Hill Street Grocer because it's around the corner from Garth's place. It's right down there in Argyle, Leon. Just go down Argyle, to Argyle. Yes, I know where Argyle is. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Garth's going to lose his mind when he hears this. Anyway, uh, I've completely forgot the train of thought that we were talking about. But so, yes. so it's what kind of game is it and who is it for? It's yeah. for those people people who hate waiting on turns they but really that, do but that being said it's another thing we mentioned it's especially if, you, <laughs> if you're playing this game for the first time and you kind of have to like any euro game if somebody does something you just have to remind them oh remember you can't do that or like oh can i have a quick take back to you i forgot to do this with this since it's working in real time you don't you could if you if you mm. get a rule wrong in your head and someone doesn't pick it up you could play half of this game completely doing something wrong and then you go oh well, you guys were focusing on the game moving ahead, so I didn't realize it. So if you screw up, it could be a, a big, big deal when it comes to this game. I mean, do you like Escape uh, yeah, you just, Escape from the, you know, what, what is it called? Curse of the Temple? Is that? Is that I've not play? played it because yeah. I don't okay. like real-time games at all. The only, time, only yeah. games I like with a timer are escape room type things, but that's because I'm working with my friends and I like the puzzles and stuff. But when it comes to any type of real-time, mm-hmm. like this, what's that other board game? Uh, Project Elite, have you guys played that? Mm-mm. It's a game that Tom Vassell is a huge fan of, and um, it is kind of a real-time mm-hmm. guys on a map killing lots of aliens type of stuff. I thought that'd be right up my my alley, mm-hmm. and I didn't know it was real time until someone actually taught it to me. And just the anxiety of it, and I'm, you know, a person that mm-hmm. I've, you know, I have suffered from anxiety in my entire life. It doesn't, I don't find it enjoyable to have that tension. It's the same with video games. Anytime a timer no. starts, I'm like, my enjoyment just goes off. Although some people do like that, but. In that's the gamers in board gamers there's not that many of us i would say yeah so so when i try to think about who this game is designed for i think it's for people that like games that you don't have to wait for your turn for instance my two sons they love escape curse from the temple and steam park now i love steam park escape is a little bit too stressful for me but if you're a video gamer like them 
games like this are perfect. They're right up their alley. They never have to wait for their turn. The action is always moving, always flowing. Hey, look, uh, you know, as, a, as an older fella, at the end of it, if I want to relax, I can walk down to the Cascade Brewery, you know, right there on Cascade Road, grab a couple of, <laughs> grab a couple of brewskis, you know, maybe talk about the, that cricket match we watched last night, and then, and then get back into a nice Euro game later on once I've gotten settled down. But not my sons. They want action. Well done. Oh, BJ. Yes. You're just shameless, <laughs> just completely, utterly, and without shame. Yes. Um, to pick up on what you guys said earlier, you said there's, there's just not a game like this. And my thought when you were saying that is that one of two things was probably true. Either this is revolutionary and it's going to be imitated. There's never been a game like this. Or there's a reason there's never been a game like this. <laughs> Um, there are some times where you can do something really clever and you can say, wow, that's a great idea. But if it fails in execution and does not become fun, it's not going to be imitated and it becomes a one-off. I think back to the Freedom and Freeze game that lets you uh, mix and match all the different rule sets. Everybody thought it was a brilliant idea at the time. We don't talk about that anymore. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this one. Is this going to be something that becomes imitated or is this going to be a one-off that we stop talking about i would assume it's going to be the latter i don't think that it's probably going to but it's also not necessarily just for the real-time factor it's also when it comes to the scoring this game i have got to try and remember this off the top of my head there's mm. everybody has to try and do um what is called where was it there's a legendary achievement that everybody has yes. to try and do. And if you don't do that, you can't win the game. So you can actually get to the end of this. If nobody's done the legendary achievement, nobody wins. But that's not going to happen because there's actually a card you can buy that gives you that achievement right. and you can do it. through. So it's not going to happen, but it could happen. However, the other way that the scoring works in this, it's not just the who has the most victory points wins. No, there is three different tracks you have to try and go up. And once you get to a certain bit of the track, it's normally about halfway up. Parchment. Yes, yeah. parchment, sorry. That's that theme dripping through there. <laughs> once you right. get to a certain bit up <laughs> and cross a certain section and it becomes slightly different, that's when it kind of goes into it. The person that wins is the person that gets the highest into that section of the scoring track. Even if they've only got one of their things up there, they would be the winner. And then if somebody else has got one past that section of the track, then you look at it and go, who's been the furthest in that track? They are the winner. So the reason I want to bring that up is because I won the game that we played the other day, which it's annoying that I so rarely get to say that and Garth isn't here for me to rub it in his face, <laughs> but I played a game with Garth and I beat him. It's on the record now. You can't dispute it. But I won on a specific track that I wasn't really even trying to go up that much on. And it was one of the easier ones that was on the um, the green timer track, which goes every two minutes. And they had an action where you could basically get two victory points in the, the yellow column, which is like popularity, I think it was, whatever it is. Again, the theme coming through. Um, all I did was that three or four times, and that got my section into the kind of scoring area, the victory point track. I could have done that in the first four moves of the game, sat back and done nothing and won that game. So mm. not only is mm. it just, do you think this real-time gimmick is cool or not? There are some other things with the game as well that are like, yeah, maybe not so much. Like, for instance, you go out to conquer lands with, like, your military power, which is, like, the red cubes you get. Those land cards you conquer are just a square card that have some benefits on it that you get to put under your player board and they're just a square card that has a name in the middle of it, which is like the supposed to like it's a name of a fictional land, and that's it. 
there's kind of background art to it. There's a specific color, but there's no real, like there's no characters on the cards. There's no flavor text on the cards. It's just a bit, it's a bit eh. So I think for this gimmick to really take off and this game to have really taken off, they needed to build a lot more infrastructure around that gimmick for it to work. And I don't believe they did. BJ, what do you think? Yeah, so and am I misremembering? I thought it was the Kinesia scoring mechanic where it's the lowest of of you know. The, I'm sorry, yeah, the lowest that you have up in the parchment. Is that right? Is that how you had won? Your lowest was very simple to get to because you had a a short track on your yes, particular board. Yes, so I got okay, into that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that mm-hmm. also sounds like you guys were playing with the boards that are each a little bit different. The advanced boards, right? Uh I'm not sure. Garth was the one that set it up. So I thought he was playing okay. with the more simple ones. But yeah, no, we did have different size tracks for different things. So maybe they were the advanced and ones. That's the advanced side of the oh, board. Oh, okay. I, well, I th- see, I think, you, I think you played the better side. We, we used okay. both the advanced and the basic. And I think the advanced side is a, is a little bit more challenging. You're going to have some that have long tracks and some that have short tracks. But I personally, I enjoy that Kinesia scoring. Uh, Ingenious, yeah. any of his other games where you're constantly having mm-hmm. to move up that lowest part you have to focus on it. You can't just max out on one unless you're unless you're Bradley. But you know, uh, I I enjoy that scoring mechanic. As for the game overall, is that kind of what you're thinking? Does it have staying power for me in my collection? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so unique for me that I just don't see getting rid of it because I'm going to have people that are going to want to play that scoring. It's also so anxiety inducing that I'm not going to want to play it every night. But I'll tell you this. Bradley and I were talking about it after the game. We kept thinking for days, man, what do we need to do to play that game? There was two games that we played that both of us just kept thinking, what do we need to do? And I like games like that where yeah. uh, I remember the first time I played um, a Concordia, man, for weeks, I just kept game. I cannot wait to get back to that game because I want to try a different yes. strategy. So I find that a little bit in pendulum. Yes. I want, I want to go, man, do I, Maybe I focus so much on that 45-second timer. I really need to work on those other timers. I know you two are different gamers, but it also sounds like you kind of played different games. Because I'm hearing BJ say that he was thinking about, uh, I wanted to do this because I could think I could do this and I could accomplish this. And I hear Leon say, yeah, I beat Garth. That's great. But (laughs) I don't feel like I did something in the game. So Leon's saying, you know, a couple things went a long way for me. And you're saying that you had to think more about how you could make it deeper. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, is there some middle ground there? Or is it just that you two are very different folks when you're playing I think game? it probably just comes with increased other plays. Because this was like, I, I've only played this the once. So again, as I mentioned earlier with Starla, you know, played Terraforming Mars the first time, didn't like it, played it more, got True. it a bit more. So the first time we did play, all three of us were just learning it. So we were all kind of not really knowing exactly what to do, what to aim for. So we Got did it. kind of have that. So with further plays, if I were to play this again, I might have a different kind of strategy and probably more thinking okay. in the line of what um, uh, what BJ said. But yeah, it's just I have to, I have to look at it and go, am I going like, would I play it again if somebody said? Sure. Would I play it if they gave me an option of nearly anything else? Probably not, to be mm. perfectly honest, especially if I wanted to just relax and have an enjoyable game. It's definitely a game that right. if somebody said, would you play it, I'd want to know in advance. I wouldn't be like, let's have a look at the board game collection. We've got two hours. Let's play it. I would never just go, yep, I want a bit of anxiety for the next two hours. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no, I think this is <laughs> one of this those. this house either. No, Steve, this is one of those games. I think Leon hit the head. We're, we're going we're gonna to agree on this one. This is one of those games where you go, hey, Steve, 
let's get Steve and Luke and let's get Kevin and let's play Pendulum. You're actually going to plan to play that one. That's not going to be sitting on a shelf and have four friends go over and go, hey, what do you guys want to play tonight? Oh, let's play Pendulum. I haven't been, I haven't had a lot of anxiety lately in my life. No, I think this, this is going to be one of those planning yeah. games. You're going to actually desire okay. to play that game. So, but no, it's going to stay on my shelf. I, I, I like it enough. And I think it rewards more plays. So my solo and my one play, it's yep. not enough. I need more plays. Yep. No, that is fair enough. So, Stephen, did we sell you on it? Does this sound like the greatest game of 2020? <laughs> no. No, it does not. And no, you did not sell me. But uh, you, had a hard, you had a hard road to hoe there anyway because I tend to be with you when it comes to real-time games also, yep. Leon. I do like Escape, Curse the Temple, but that's mostly because it's an excuse to play the Indiana Jones music on the app and, right. and to, to yell at your friends. Yep. Um, that's more of an experience than the anxiety. Yes. But other real-time ones are just never going to make it to our table. We're anxious enough. We, we, we come to the board, ta- board game table for different reasons rather than more of the same. Yep. So at the end of the day, if you have a chance to play this, give it a crack. But in a lot of people's way that are still kind of, I like American style games or I like Euro style games. Don't know if it really fits in either of those camp. Don't really know if it'd be recommended by either of those camps, but everybody's unique. This could be your favorite game ever. It might perfectly blend the things you like. Who knows? We are not to say, but there you are. (laughs) Go out and enjoy it. So that is yet again, the end of another episode. So we had the lovely, um, our family plays games on earlier and our board gaming gumbo friends with me. Thank you very much for joining me, lad. So I didn't have to do this all on my lonesome. This was awesome. Yeah. Oh. And thank you for having me on your show, BJ. Thank you. <laughs> well, he clearly knows more. He clearly knows more about Tasmania than what I do, bringing up bakeries that I haven't even heard of. So that's Man, when you spend three, when you spend three weeks locked in Tasmania, trying desperately to get home, and the credit card doesn't even work. Somebody, I, I don't know if there's a, maybe you guys forgot to pay the bill this month, but that Mark's credit card just doesn't seem to be working yeah. to get me home. So. Well, I can tell you this way: if you ever actually physically in real life make it to Tasmania, it won't take us three weeks to get down to the Cascade Brewery. We'll be down there within a within a day go. or two. I can I can tell you that. So I'm going to hold you to that deal. <laughs> so for yet another fortnight, we're going to say good night. Or good morning or good afternoon on the Dice Men Cometh. So for everybody out there, check out our Family Plays games on YouTube and all the social. Check out Board Game Gumbo, which is an awesome Facebook live show. And they do some put some stuff up on YouTube as well and have the social medias. These guys all know what they're doing and they do it very well. So from Leon here in little old Southern Tasmania to all my friends over there in the Northern Hemisphere. And on today of all days, Well done, everybody out there, but still stay safe, play games with your board games, and just be friendly with each other. So good night and good luck. See ya. So anyway, we are going to talk about a game called Cartographers, which was nominated for the Kennespiel des Jahres. Did you not know? It's from mm. Thunderworks Games, and it is the, in, set in the same world as the um, the role player games, which we're big fans of here. Now, I just wanted to quickly mention this whole roll and write, flip and write, whatever you are and write. It's been around for a long time. It is became just came back into the roaring into the hobby with uh, Ganshon's Clever which I think was the kind of one that's kickstarted the whole you know, renaissance of this genre. And it's fair to say, I don't like this genre in the slightest. <laughs> and I've played quite a few of them. I've played Ganshon's Clever. I've played the On Tour. I've played the Welcome Twos. I've played a few other bibs and bobs and ones. Nearly every game now has a roll and write version of it, even from bigger games. 
And there's just something about them that just doesn't gel with me. I don't know if it's the anxiety of everyone's basically using the same pool and yet I've done it wrong and they've done it right. I don't know what it is, but there's something about it that doesn't agree with me. Garth, what do you think about this renaissance of the genre? Oh, look, more games in a hobby is good. Um, and I, oh, think, yeah. <laughs> I think probably what Roll and Write, Flip and Write has done is really get a whole bunch of extra gamers into the hobby because this, this genre, I think, is really good at introducing partners or possibly non-gamer friends into the hobby because the vast bulk of them are solo puzzles as far as I'm concerned. And, and for me, something like Welcome To or Railroad Inc., there's, there's not a huge amount of interaction and you're just, you're just focused on your own little player board, your own little you know, erasable marker and all that kind of thing. And that's fine if you're getting into the hobby. For me, I'm a bit mere on the, the whole genre as well because for, for me, a lot of them just, uh, there's not enough interaction. And Welcome To is the classic example there where there is nothing stopping me looking to the player to my left and playing the whole game, just copying them. And if that's the player that's good, I can just even their score. I can just do that. There is almost nothing that's going to be able to prevent that. Railroad Inc. is a little bit different. But this one is a little bit different again. Yes, And that's it, why we want to talk about it. It certainly is. Uh, BJ, what is your overall feelings on this genre? Well, uh, sorry, I had some caviar that you guys left here in, the, in my mouth. Let me, <laughs> let me just... Tasmanian really, really, caviar is the best. Really appreciate the uh, the hospitality. Yeah, that, I think Garth hit it on the head. When I first played cartographers, that was the first thing I noticed. You don't have the one to a hundred thing where you can play a billion people and everybody's just trying to get the best score. You have to pay attention that to, to make sure that the players to your left and right aren't going to smash you with the you know with with their play. They can actually affect your board. And I don't remember, I don't remember any other game doing that where they can actually affect your board while you're playing this rando rider. Yeah, yeah agreed. Before we start talking about the rules of the game, normally I do this, this thing that everybody absolutely loves, where I talk earnest about the theme of the game and the story behind it. And people are just enthralled by my voice acting ability. Uh, I'm not going to do that. It's the best for this part game. of the show. Yeah, so exactly. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm not going to do that for this game because I started to write something up and basically I got to the point where there was the kingdom of Nalus, there was Queen Gimnak, there was things called the Dragul, and I just went... This is just fantasy bollocks, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm not going to bother doing that for this game because I want to actually talk about the game itself. So it is a flip and write. So there's going to be no dice rolling. You're going to be flipping cards. And everyone's got their own little pad in front of them that they're going to be drawing on. It's the same one. There is the double-sided pad. One has got a little bit more harder than the other one because there's less space on it. But everyone's going to be having the same pad. And what you're going to be doing in the phases of this game, in the exploring phase, is you're going to be revealing the top card of the deck face up, and then there's going to be a choice. There's going to be a choice of two different types of terrain, and there's about five different types of terrain. There is, um, there's towns, there's forests, there's farms, there's wetlands, things of that nature, and there's going to be a shape very similar to anybody that's played Tetris, which surely is everybody. There's going to be shapes like that. You're going to choose which one you want to put. So straight away then, my board is going to be slightly different than somebody else's board. They're going to choose a different terrain type. They're going to choose a different shape than me. And then we're going to go from there. And that is 99% of the game is those flipping <laughs> over that cards and the, what you put down. 
but then there's also going to be things thrown into the works like there's going to be certain little spots on your board that are called ruins and when that comes you have to put the next terrain you write down on that exact space on the board so if you had grand plans of i just need one little cube to go in this certain bit but then the next one's a ruins card ah i have to put it here so it gives you that little extra as well as on the map there is already pre-built these big mountain cards that are right in the middle of your way, so you can't just go writing anywhere. There is also monsters that get to come out, and this is where the interactivity comes in, because when the monsters attack, you take your sheet and you pass it to somebody either on the left or right of you, depending on what the card says, and they will get to draw the shape on that monster card on your map, and oh, does it not screw up your plans royally, which is good, good fun. Mm. and you're going to be doing that for several cards in each round and there's four different rounds in this game represented by four different seasons the first two are longer and then as you get to the end of it they get slightly shorter and then at the end of the round you're going to be scoring but how does scoring work i hear both of you nodding along hear both of you nodding along that's not a sentence but i just said it deal with it not going to edit it out can't be bothered (laughs) so there is going to be these cards a b c and d on the top of the board and underneath each of them is going to be a way that you can score in the first round you're going to be scoring cards a and b and then in the second round b and c and so on and so forth so each of those cards gets scored twice throughout the game which is really cool because even if you don't get lots of points in at one round, you might get lots of points in it in a subsequent round, but you've also got to think ahead. You know, the entire amount of scoring for this game, as soon as those cards get flipped over at the start. So you know what you need to look for, what's coming up and when they're going to score, you know, might want to go too hard on a certain way because it's going to go away very soon. Absolutely. And look to the game's credit, there are also a lot of cards in each of those A, B, C, D categories. So yes. there's a lot of replayability in there. You're not just going to know that card A, which is spring, is always going to be going these things. So I, I like that they've put a lot of thought into the, the different season cards there are. Yes, indeed. There's also a little mini expansion that comes with some of the versions of this game. You might get it, you might not, depending on when you where you buy it from that adds different skills that you can use. And these skill cards will sit above those scoring and you can use those skills once per round by saying, I'm going to use that skill. Or the other person will say, I'm going to use that skill. Again, just adds a bit more to replayability to the game. And that's it. You'll go through four rounds, do your scoring, look at other people's pads and go, they've done something ridiculous, but it's probably not as bad as what I've done. (laughs) Add up the score by a little track down the bottom, which is very easy. And that's it. And that's you done. I have played this game... Uh, only twice now, sadly, because I only just got it a few days ago. However, I played it a two-player version, just me and my wife. We had lots of fun. We played it yesterday with 12 people because wow. it was my wife's birthday. Um, Garth, you weren't invited because uh, we don't like you that much. Yeah, I was probably and... busy doing a, a future episode of BJ show, which won't make sense until next episode. That makes perfect sense. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, 12 people all sat them down and we had great fun as well. But t- a two-player game and a 12-player game, they both flowed just as well and i both taught them to them in about 30 seconds time so as i said at the start i'm not a huge fan of this genre but i'm a huge fan of this game does it bother you leon at all or not does it bother you do you feel like the cartographer in the game you know in lisboa when you're playing lisboa you really do feel like you're building out the city because it's so thematic or when you're playing azul your, your, your mind, you close your eyes and you feel like you're a wall tiler from, you know, from Portugal. Do you feel like a royal cartographer while you're doing it, while you're drawing those little maps? 
somewhat. I feel the fact that I'm competing against the... Because the whole theme of this game is that you're competing against fellow cartographers that are mapping out the lounge in different ways. I feel that aspect because I know I'm doing stuff different to the people around me. So do I feel like a medieval cartographer? Not necessarily, because I'm sitting around a table in modern days with a bunch of my friends that are half drunk at two in the afternoon. But... This is a game that you can teach in 30 seconds and play in 15 minutes with a large amount of people. So the fact that the theme even kind of gets across is not that big a deal because it looks good and I like fantasy stuff. So I guess it's fine enough. I think it's an easier sell and an easier teach to say we are competing map makers as opposed to we are competing fantasy map makers in the kingdom of blah, blah, blah. Yes. So in that respect, yes, I felt like I was making a map. What we also did, the game I played... um, the person had basically enlarged and then laminated one of the player boards Ooh. so that rather than just playing on the little, you know, relatively small um, map sheet that you had, we were playing on big A4 ones. And that was great because they they really did feel a lot, you know, more mappy. And you're also able to get more images and more pictures on there, which is really cool. Have you all played with the colored pencils or colored markers or was it just one, you had one blue pin and that's it? Yeah, that was it. I've done it with the colored pencils. Yeah. It really, for, for a person like me, who's a terrible artist, I, can, I can't draw anything. Yeah. This helps me out because I can see that the mountains are red, the forests are green, the water is probably Sort blue. of greeny gold. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, matching up those colors actually helped me out. I, I actually liked it. Here at home, I don't have the colored pencils. And when I played it here at home, it's, it's I, I got to admit, I have trouble because I just, my, my squiggly lines just don't mean anything to me. Yeah. And look, uh, as Leon said, I, I think what sets this game apart is these ambush cards. Now, you can like them or you can hate them, but these ambush cards are throwing in this random element of monsters and your plan's just going completely out the door. So it's not even that a, an ambush card is revealed and you've got to fit this particular shape that is horrible into your map. You have to pass your perfectly designed map left or right and allow some poor fool of a cartographer ruin everything. And then you've got to try and fix what they've done to your map. I loved it and hated it when it happened. Yeah, it's definitely a fun aspect. And as we've always talked about, anytime we can screw each other around the table is always better. So this game I only got a few days ago. I've already played several times since. And the reason I got that is because there was a Kickstarter for the sequel or a kind of 1.5 version of this game out at the time and i wanted to play the base game because i looked at the the kickstarter and went i like the look of that but i don't want to back it without playing the base game because i know i don't like this genre too much spoiler alert the kickstarter is now finished it was very successful and i did back it but there is a certain person in the room covering himself in caviar and all other australian tasmanian funsies uh, that has played it bj how is the one that was just on kickstarter Oh, let me put my glass of Syrah down. Hold on. Hold on one second. Just wait a second. Yeah. So thank you again for the hospitality. But uh, Cartographer's no Heroes, I got sent a review copy of it. But here at the, uh, in Southern Board Game Fest, we, we have a copy of Cartographer's that we played at the library. Lovely. I liked Cartographer's okay. I thought I thought it was okay. But it, you know, it felt very similar to almost everyone except for the ambush mechanic. For some reason, the heroes thing, it just calls to me. And I, I think there's a couple of reasons. It adds a couple of things. The, the first thing it does is, it gives you more maps. Good. I mean, if you're going to play a roll and write, I mean, as as much as I love Gonchon Clever, after a while, it's still the same thing, right? This with different maps, and I only got to play two of them, 
but the the volcano map was just a blast a big old volcano in the middle of your map that you had to deal with sometimes lava cards would come out and they're just tearing up the the everywhere on the map so i love that part the fact that you know each game is going to be a little different depending on what map you play but it also brings in the heroes and bringing in those heroes and adding in extra scoring cards and adding more ambush cards with new monsters, all of that stuff, just all of a sudden it went from a game that was, you know, okay, to I really enjoyed it. The way the heroes work is, you know, when you give your, your paper to, your, to the person to your left or right, I can't remember now, but yep. they put that monster on your map, your heroes protect you from the monsters. Uh -huh. So you have to look at your map in advance and think, okay, a hero just came out. Where is my opponent? going to mess me up the worst and how can i stop that so it, it brings a little extra level of complexity to me that i think takes the game into being a you know a pretty good game into a really good game a strong game excellent and it also adds it adds those as well as it adds more of um, the scoring cards it adds more of those little the skills mini expansion it adds yeah three new maps that are both double-sided so if you've got the base game you've got four or eight different maps to choose from so the replayability of this is is through the roof as you said like something like a ganchon's clever which is the same every single time and some people love that game it's just not for me i'm not slagging it off each to their own but this is a game that Especially once I get that expansion, it's I don't imagine it's ever going to leave my collection because it is a game that I can, like I said, whip out, teach in 30 seconds. And it's going to be different every time, even if I do that once or twice a year for the next God knows how many years. So I am a big fan of this and it's got me to the point where maybe I would consider playing other games in you know the roll and write, the flip and write kind of genre. I'm probably not going to go out and find them, but it's given me more of that. If somebody suggests, would you like to play it? I'm more likely to say, sure, I'll give it a crack. As opposed to before this, I was just like, I don't think this entire genre is for me. So good on cartographers. That's that's pretty amazing. So Leon, you'd be you'd be keen for terraforming Mars roll and write, is that right? <sighs> Sure, why not? <laughs> as long as you play um, Ticket to Ride, Roll and Write, Garth, then we'll, then we'll say I don't even know what Ticket to Ride is, mate. But look, in all seriousness, for a genre that I'm not really a fan of, and I've never really finished a Roll and Write or Flip and Write going, let's play that again, this would be probably the closest to make me go, I really enjoyed that. I know I stuffed up here. I know I did that well. I know there's enough randomness. I like the interaction. So I would, you know, if there was a stack of rolling rights and flipping rights here, it would probably be the first one I would grab for that very reason. And the Heroes sort of expansion sounds like it it adds a bit more interaction and a bit more control, I guess, to to counter those, um, those ambush cards, which could be cool as well. So I'm curious. I'm not going to buy it because that's a good thing about knowing Leon. He can do all that for me. Yes. <laughs> I, I like Cartographer's Heroes. I think it adds exactly what it needs to make the game. I, unlike you two, I love rolling rights. I, Silver and Gold is one my wife loves to play here. We've played all of the Ganshan uh, games. I love I love any kind of Randall Rider. But this one, for whatever reason, when I add everything in, it's a full game to me. I, I, I if, if somebody came to me and said, hey, let's play Cartographer's Heroes, I'd stop right now and go play it. I like it that much. It's a good game. Really good game. Excellent. And with that, yet again, not so much of a bombshell because good game liked by people is <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> the end of that. Uh, for yet another episode, 318. And we have to thank you, BJ, for being around for this. And guess what? We're going to give you a whole full episode in two weeks' time that people get a chance to listen to. 
Oh my God, two weeks in Tasmania. I wasn't even expecting to be here this long. Quarantine period. So you're not going anywhere. You're staying in the hotel. Yeah, sadly, we only put you up and pay you for one episode. So you are on Mm. the other end of the world and you have no contacts and nowhere to go. But you'll figure it out and you'll manage. So we have faith. Can I borrow Mark's credit card? Can I borrow Mark's credit card just for a week or two? Absolutely. He is not a dice man anymore. It doesn't come out of our pockets. Fuel your boots, mate. Not a hassle. So, Garth, everyone should go back Rain Absolute because by now it's already funded. And my God, can you believe that they broke that giant Kickstarter record of money that is going to be... I'm not going to edit it in, but I reckon they will do well. Yes. Yes. I can't believe they achieved, insert dollar figure here. That's amazing. So, look, we do need to thank Adam and Adam Manaldrick from Rain Absolute for telling us all about their game that is hopefully um, funded by now. You know, it's always great to have a Tasmanian game approaching the worldwide shores of Kickstarter. And look, BJ, thank you so much for, for having a little chat with us about cartographers. I look forward to what I'm assuming will be a stunningly professional and amazing interview in only a couple of weeks' time. I think we're going to have a blast. I, I can kind of guess what we're going to say, but that's just because I feel like we've really gotten in tune with each other today. <laughs> and not just because we recorded it an hour and a half ago. So, yes, thank you very much for everybody and dealing with our editing shenanigans. So for another fortnight, I have been Leon. He has been Garth. That's been BJ, who you're going to hear from again in a fortnight. This is all weird time paradoxy stuff. But everyone out there, stay safe, play games, and be happy. And bye-bye. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their flagship events, LFG Sydney and LFG SN Unplugged, as well as their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.